Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by finding us and listening in. We pray this sermon stirs up your love for Jesus and grows you in your faith. But before we begin, we ask that you not let this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, replace the local church in your life. You need to be a member of a local congregation and under the shepherding of that flock's pastor. So please become part of a local church if you aren't currently. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.mountzionchula.org. Enjoy our podcast. Uh, Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. I'll be saying that for several weeks as we're going to be in Exodus 20. Um, If you're a guest, we are... We, we've been working through the book of Exodus for most of the year, and right now we are taking a slow time through the Ten Commandments in chapter 20, um, and so we are on the third commandment today. Um, we will not be on the fourth commandment next week. I will be actually practicing the fourth commandment next week as I'll be on vacation next week. Tom Hocutt from the association will be here preaching. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting away for a little bit and, and uh, recharging. Um, Never realized how, well, I guess I did realize how difficult transitioning two kids was going to be, um, but, but it's exhausting, people. It's exhausting. Um, Exodus 20, um, I've always been a big moviegoer. Um, I, it's probably been a little more since I've been married. It's a hobby Adrian and I do together. Um, I've seen 15 movies that have come out this year in 2023, so I go to the movies a lot as a hobby. Um, I watched a lot of movies when I was growing up in my home, but not a wide variety of them growing up. Uh, my parents and I would watch about the same 25 movies on repeat, just whatever happened to be on TV at the time. And um, so we watched uh, Harrison Ford's The Fugitive. We watched Major League Two. I don't know why we only watched the second one. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen the first one. Um, a lot of Adam Sandler's early movies, Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, Mr. Deeds, uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, um, Christmas Vacation, Shrek, Mrs. Doubtfire, Forrest Gump, all the classics like that. And my dad had a gag reflex to hearing the queen mother of all dirty words, God's name used as a cuss word in a movie, which is, wasn't as common back then as a lot more common now. And so if he hears it in a movie, he goes, ah, I don't like to hear it, but it doesn't cause me to have a stroke like that. Um, I think maybe he thinks he has sinned if he hears it. Um, I hope you understand, like, you're not in sin if you hear the word. Um, just understand that. So, so what he would do when we would watch movies we had seen, you know, dozens of times, he would know when that word was going to be said. And so he'd have his remote in hand ready. And when it was getting near, he would mute the TV. And we'd let it play for five or ten seconds. Then he'd unmute it. So we were good, so he didn't have a stroke. It came out of an understanding of the third commandment that God's name is holy, and we don't want to use it in vain, and we also don't want to hear it used in vain because we love his name. That's translated over to today a little bit. Um, Haddon was watching a show a few weeks ago on TV, and the guy on it kept saying the phrase, quote, oh my God. And I told Haddon, hey, we can't watch this show anymore because I didn't want him to pick up on that and start saying that so it's kind of funny now he he'll come in and he'll say dad can we watch the show of the guy that you don't like um and i just have to tell him no but the this commandment the third commandment that we're going to look at today is a lot more than that 
That's what we often think of when we read the third commandment, that it's just don't use God's name as a cuss word. And that's included in it, but that's not all that it is. There's a lot more to it than that. Um, There's a lot more to this commandment. So let's continue working through the Ten Commandments. We're going to do one verse this morning. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So let's think first about what is this commandment? What is it commanding? Um, Understand your name is majorly tied to your identity. Your name is tied to who you are. That there are names that when I say them, they bring great pride to you. There are names that when I say say them, they bring great disgust to you. Some um, bring back memories when I say them. Some incite fear in you. A whole range of things happen when I say specific names. Let me just give a few. Michael Jordan, Charles Manson, Donald Trump, Martin Luther King Jr., Dale Earnhardt, Abraham Lincoln, Larry Layfield, Judas Iscariot, Lottie Moon, Batman, Nancy Pelosi. All these names bring up specific identity in your mind. More than me, if I just stood up here and said Bob. If I just said Bob, you might have a Bob that pops in your head, but you're probably not thinking of any specific... Everybody in the room is not going to think of the same Bob if I do that. A lot of us choose the name of our children based on something that, that meant something to us. So our two children, Haddon Lockett Fraser and Ezra Gibson Fraser. Haddon is the middle name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon in history. Lockett is the maiden name of Adrian's grandmother. Um, Ezra is the, from the priest in the Bible who, is a, um, who, who I admire greatly. And Gibson, it was the last name of my grandfather that died last year. They have identity tied to them. So we name them based on that identity, based on things that we remember and things that we want remembered in our children's names because names are tied to that identity. My parents named me after, um, after Aaron, the brother of Moses, you know, the dude that made the golden calf. I don't know. I think they like the Charlton Heston movie, and maybe he was cool in that movie. I, I don't know. Um, God's identity is tied to his name. Remember back in Exodus 3 when he met Moses, he said, I am who I am. That's my name. That, that's it. It's a weird name if, you're, if you've never heard God's name before. But he says, I am who I am. God is. He is always present. He is not, I used to be, and he's not, I'm going to be one day. He's I am. I am holy. I am good. I am merciful. I am patient. I am all powerful and none of that's ever going to change that's who he is right now that's who he's been for all of eternity that's who he will be forever and ever and ever it is this name that the lord that we must call upon to be saved it is as it is at the name of jesus that every knee will bow as we read in philippians 2 earlier his name is full of glory and power demons tremble at the sound of his name so it should be treated as holy So the command says, do not take it in vain. Do not not take it in vain. Do not make it vain. The word vain, the idea is just empty, nothingness, worthless. Don't don't make God's name worthless. You think of the book of Ecclesiastes, and it continually says, um, I tried this, I tried to find fulfillment in work, and it was vanity. I tried to find fulfillment in pleasure, it was vanity. 
tried to find fulfillment in knowledge. It was vanity in money, in everything. It was all vanity. It was worthless. It didn't do it. God's name is holy and powerful. To make it empty and meaningless is to diminish the reputation of God. So what does it mean when it says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain? Well, I think... For most of us, the thing we first think of, what's been traditionally understood by a lot of people is do not speak it in vain. Speaking it is certainly a form of this, but that's not all that is here. So, uh, as you may know, um, the the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, translated to English, so we got to go back and ask, what's the Hebrew word for take right there? And it's the Hebrew word nasah, nasah. You don't have to know that, but just a good way to remember it, um, N-A-S-A, NASA. What does NASA do? They carry astronauts to space as they lift up rockets to space. The word NASA there, to take, means to carry or to lift up. They, that, that, they, they lift up rockets to space. We do not lift up God's name in vain. Do not carry God's name in vain. It's used another time in Exodus, later in chapter 28, where it says, Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastplate of judgment on his heart when he enters the holy place. So in that time, the, the word bear, Aaron is going to bear, he's going to nassah the names of the sons of Israel on his breastplate as he enters the holy of holies. That, that, that's what's going on there. So he's not walking in and he's saying Simeon, Naphtali, Joseph, Benjamin. He's not speaking them. He's carrying them in as he goes. That's what we're talking about. This is much more than than just using God's name as a cuss word. It's about misrepresenting the character of God to others. Israel was going to be called to be God's representative among the nations. Even you go back to Genesis 1, the very beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve are made in God's image. They're called to be God's representatives on earth. That's why it's such an egregious thing what they did in the garden when God had told them not to because it misrepresented God to the entire world. And Christians are called to represent and proclaim God's name to the world. We're called to, as the hymn that we sometimes sing says, take the name of Jesus with us as we go. That's what we're called to do. It's not just using his name as a cuss word that's included in this commandment, but there's much more here. So what all does it include? We got to look around scripture for that. It would certainly include using God's name as a cuss word. Absolutely. Um, It's taking the holy name of God and using it as a word of disgust. And we could even go beyond that that word that my dad would mute on the TV um, when when someone says, oh, my God, or uses Jesus Christ's name as um, a word of disgust. Or um, I I don't even know where we go with, with, with the word gosh or holy cow or something like that. But it's just this idea of taking God's name and running it through mud as a word of disgust. Beyond that, using jokes that defame God. Not all jokes included about God. Um, there, there are plenty of good jokes that, that include God as a character, but we're talking about ones that treat him in a bad light or, or that view his glory without the weight that it deserves. There are things that we know instinctive, instinctively it is wrong to joke about. You don't joke about the Holocaust. You don't joke about 9-11. You don't joke about the death of children. You don't joke about mentally handicapped people. We, we know that. Yet we will so easily joke about the Lord in such a way that runs him through the mud. Another thing we could add into, this is swearing to God. 
Leviticus 19.12, you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of the Lord your God. Matthew 5, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is by the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let's let simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. A way we might do this today, and we're breaking the third commandment by doing this, is um, making empty promises to God. Like you're in, a, you're in a bind and you say, Lord, if you get me through this, I'll never miss another Sunday of church. Like, like really? Like, like even when you're like deathly sick, you're going to be at church like, like, like you know, you, all the time? Lord, if, if you get me through this, I'll never miss another day of reading my Bible ever. And the Lord's in heaven thinking, I'll get you through this, but you ain't going to keep that. You, you ain't going to do that. You know, another way this could be done is when a corrupt politician who does not follow God says, God bless America. That's using God's name in vain. Another way is false visions. Um, understand, I believe God genuinely gives visions and dreams to people. But some people like to attribute everything to him. They'll say, God told me to do this. Or another one that they like to do is, God told me to tell you to do this. Apparently he didn't tell that person, he just told somebody else to go tell them. Um, the church Adrian and I went to in Kentucky, um, the pastor there is Bill Cook. He's, he's got his PhD, so everyone calls him Dr. Cook. And um, one Sunday, years ago, like before, before we went there, um, a guy showed up to church and he found the executive pastor, Dr. Eliff, and he said to Dr. Eliff, where is Dr. Cook? And Dr. Eliff kind of noticed this guy was a little off, and he said, um, why do you ask? And he said, well, God told me I'm supposed to come here today, and I'm supposed to tell Dr. Cook to repent of his false teaching, and if he doesn't, I'm to take him out. And Dr. Eliff said, well, it looks like God forgot to tell you that Dr. Cook is on vacation today. I thought that'd be a funnier joke, but apparently not. But that's what we'll do is we'll say, God told me to do this, but apparently he left out a really important detail to doing it. We'll say God told us to do something simply because it feels right. We got a good feeling in the pit of our stomach. That must be God. No, it's probably just your food, your food settling. You know, I was sitting on my back porch, and I was really considering life and trying to figure out what I should do. And right when I thought about this decision, the wind hit me in the face. That must be God. Well, I don't really know how to explain the science of the wind, but um, maybe actually just the cabin pressure of space opened up and, and hit you in the face at just that exact moment. I don't know. But um, God, that, that, that's how we'll do Sometimes people even do this to the extent of, of saying God told them to do something that we can open up the Bible and see God forbids you to do that very thing. Understand, God never tells you to do something contrary to his word, no matter how it feels. People say, I, I feel led to do so and so. It's really not God telling them, it's just their idea. And understand, attributing something to God that he is not part of is breaking the third commandment. Next, we would add to this being lackluster in your worship breaks the third commandment. Leviticus 22.2. Speak to Aaron and his sons so that they abstain from the holy things of the people of Israel, which they dedicate to me so that they do not profane my name 
I am the Lord. All right, so understand something. This room that we're in, this building that we're in, is not in itself sacred. It's just bricks and mortar. We could do what we're doing right now anywhere. But what we're doing right now is, is sacred, is holy. What we're doing is, is holy, and to profane that is to violate the third commandment. So when you hear the preaching of God's word and you let it go in one ear and out the other, that's violating the third commandment. When you take the Lord's Supper, even though you shouldn't because you're living in sin, you violate the third commandment. When you sing words to a song that you don't really believe, or when you refuse to sing in church, you're breaking the third commandment. When you shun people down the pew from you, that's breaking the third commandment because you're profaning the holy place that God is gathering us. And then there's cutting corners spiritually. Malachi 1. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering, a pure offering, for my name will be great among them. But you profane it when you say the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its, its food may be despised, they're coming into worship with, with rotten apples, giving it to God. Cutting corners spiritually uh, breaks, uh, breaks the third commandment. He goes on to say that in the rest of Malachi 1. So, you know, reading the Bible is so hard. I'll do it later, and, and you won't. I can't share the gospel with my coworker. They'll think I'm weird. I can't lead my family in family devotions. My kids will think I'm so lame. Like, I, they'll, they'll be okay without it. My parents didn't do that, and I'm not a criminal. I'll be okay without some form of small group discipleship, be it, be it Sunday school or a Bible study at work or whatever. Uh, you know, we had a really late night last night. I, I think we'll skip church today. It's all cutting corners spiritually. And then there's gross immorality, Leviticus 18.21. You should not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, and so profane the name of the Lord your God. So in the days of Israel, that would be like the most grotesque thing that you could do is offer your child up in a burnt offering to a false god. Um, so, so for them, that, that's what profanes the name of the Lord. But we could apply this to any number of things today that God's people get tangled up in, whether it's um, the pervasive use of pornography among God's people or the racism among God's people or the unforgiveness and bitterness within the hearts of God's people or even adultery or um, causing divisions in the church or um, doing things that even the pagans find offensive. According to Leviticus 18, that profanes the name of your God. And the final one I would add in there is just being ashamed of God's name. That violates the third commandment. God's name has power, and, and, and when we're ashamed of it, we make it meaningless. Uh, oh, no, someone might find out I'm a Christian. That would just be the worst thing ever. Why? It's the most important thing about you. We, we've let a godless culture scare us into the closet, and that has to change. We've got to stop being scared of being identified with Jesus because someone might call us a name. Romans 1, 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the gospel. There's power in it, and we put it aside and don't embrace that power. 
because we're scared that someone might call us a name. So why is this so serious? Why is it so serious to not take the Lord's name in vain? The second part of the verse. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is a serious thing. Like, I think sometimes we tend to take the Ten Commandments and we kind of rank them. We, we, we got some that are really bad that you don't ever want to do. And then you got some that, uh, I mean, everyone does it, so it's okay. You know, like, like, don't ever kill and don't ever steal and don't ever commit adultery. But, I mean, everybody covets. Everybody lies occasionally, right? And everybody uses God's name in vain occasionally. I mean, if you stub your toe, you're going to say something, right? Well, Leviticus 24, 16, listen to how they would punish somebody who, and listen to how God told them to punish somebody who broke the third commandment. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner as well as the native. When he blasphemes the name, shall he be put to death. They would take someone out and stone them if they broke this commandment. This is what God prescribes in the book of Leviticus. How many of us would still be alive if this is what they did today. This is a serious sin for three reasons. First, it misrepresents God's name. I have a, uh, I have a last name that is frequently misspelled, very frequently misspelled. I always tell people it, it, it's spelled like the TV show. There was a TV show called Frasier. Um, my name's spelled like that, which I guess most people don't know that show anymore. I, I don't know, but um, the more common spelling is F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. I have an S instead of a Z. Um, the worst I've ever seen it spelled was F-R-A-Y-S-H-U-R-E. Like, you had a work to do that, people. I think it was on, like, my Taco Bell order or something. I, I don't remember. Um, but there's a banner in my high school with, well, it used to be. I haven't been in there in years. But um used to be a banner in my high school with, all the people on it that made a certain grade point average a particular year, and um, I'm on it, and they spelled my name F-R-A-S-H-I-R-E. No, no, F-R-A-S-H-I-E-R, excuse me. Um, so, Frasier, Frasier, whoever made that banner obviously didn't make the list with the grade point average, I, I don't know, but um, when my name is misspelled, I don't like it. I don't like it. Actually, I'm, I'm experiencing today a lot more people misspell my first name than my last name. I'd be surprised how many A-R-O-Ns I get and A-R-R-O-N and who knows what else. But um, I don't like it when my name's misspelled. It's my name. It's the essence of who I am. God's name defines his identity as well. Jesus Christ. Jesus means God saves Christ is the anointed one. That's what those names mean. God saves us by his anointed one. That's what the name Jesus Christ is proclaiming to you. It's a serious sin because it misrepresents God's name. It's also a serious sin because it misrepresents God's character. God's character. If you've ever been, if you've ever had a rumor spread about you, it's very unnerving because it's like wildfire. I mean, it starts something very small and it just gets completely flipped around, and it's even worse than when it started. Even if you go to the source and make them know that wasn't the truth, you don't know how much it's spread abroad by then, especially in the days of the Internet, and how much it has been changed. God's name being taken in vain is like a bad rumor about him spreading. 
It misrepresents who he is to the world. And people start believing the wrong thing about God because his people have badly represented him. And then thirdly, it's a serious sin because it misrepresents God's saving power. It misrepresents his name, it misrepresents his character, it misrepresents his saving power. One time in high school, I was talking with some classmates about something. I don't remember what it was, but um, I remember one of my classmates looked at me and said, you're, you're going to make your, I didn't have my license yet at this point, you're going to make your dad drive all the way out there for that? That's so horrible. And I responded, I don't care, I ain't paying for the gas. And I remember instant conviction hit me. And I guess it was so bad that I still remember that story today of how horrible of a son I was for saying that. I represented my relationship of, of my father and his son very badly in that moment. And when you take God's name in vain, you misrepresent God's power to save and transform. Like, really? God means a lot to you if you'll speak of him like that or live like that. It's why one of the biggest critiques of Christianity is that the church is full of hypocrites. Because we do a really bad job of imaging God to the world. We're his representatives and we bear his name in vain to the world all pretty much daily. So what hope is there? What, what hope is there? Because as I told you, we're going to look at with each of the Ten Commandments, we've all broken every single one of these. We, we've broken all ten of the commandments. Even if it's just using God's name as a cuss word, who among us hasn't done that even in the minor sense at some point? What hope do we have? Well, we have the hope of Jesus. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ meets the deepest needs you have. It meets every one of your failings, every imperfection and flaw. The work of Jesus in his death and resurrection was completely satisfactory for your sins. Think of John chapter 10. What do they accuse Jesus of when they come to him? John chapter 10, verses 31 through 39. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it is not for good work that we're going to stone you, but for the blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, You are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, You're blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me, but if I do them... Even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Jesus was the only man who ever didn't break the third commandment. He didn't do it. He kept it perfectly. He never carried God's name in vain. He always held it up as the glorious, powerful, and holy name that it is. He exalted his father with every word, every action, every thought he ever possessed. Yet they accused him of blasphemy. They accused him of blasphemy. They tried to stone him for it. One of the many reasons the Jews killed Jesus was they thought he broke the third commandment. But Jesus went to the cross and he died under the weight of your sin. You broke the third commandment. All of us have. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That's what it says. The Lord did not hold you guiltless. He rather offered the transferring of your guilt to another. To, to another. 
the one who never broke the third commandment. So that now God looks at you, though you're a blasphemer, as guiltless. If you've trusted Christ for salvation, though you have broken the third commandment, you are viewed as guiltless and innocent. And now you are transformed and able to bear God's name as, as you were meant to do so th- through redemption. So if you're here and you haven't trusted Christ for salvation, today is the day you can do that. You must repent of your sins, including your blasphemy that the third commandment indicts you of, and you must believe by faith that Jesus died in your place, and you must surrender your life to him. Will you do that? I'd love to talk with you about that today. But for those of you who have, as redeemed people of God, you are bearers of his image everywhere you go. As you leave this place today, Remember that you take the name of Jesus with you as you go. Know that this is the joy of the law of God. It is how we can delight in it. Without Christ, we are not able to delight in it, for we have all broken it. But because of Christ, we can know the glory of the law and that Christ fulfilled it for us and met our deepest needs. And he has done that for us in the third commandment. Though we have blasphemed his name, he honored his own name perfectly to redeem us blasphemers. Remember, God saves through the anointed one. That's what Jesus Christ means. I like to make fun of people who misspell my name, obviously, the you know Taco Bell order and the banner in my high school, but um, you know it's annoying, come on. But the gracious and good God of heaven was willing to redeem those who misrepresented his name to the world who have spread false rumors about him throughout. So put your hope in the gospel this morning, either for the first time by repenting and believing, or again, that our good God has redeemed us from our law-breaking and made us whole again, so that we may now, through the power of the Spirit, do what Psalm 29.2 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. That is the life of of one who bears God's name appropriately. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your name. I thank you for the power that your name holds, the glory that your name holds, all that your name has for us. And I pray that we would bow our knee and confess your name with our tongue, as Philippians 2 says we will do one day. Father, I pray for us here that as we go from here, we would recognize that we take your name with you as uh, we take your name with us as we go. I pray for any here who um, don't know the power of your name, who haven't turned to Jesus. I pray that they would be moved to do that today. And Lord, I pray um, that as we continue to work through the Ten Commandments, we would recognize that your law indicts all of us, but it also points our eyes to a Savior who can redeem us. And may we evermore trust in that Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.